Welcome to Money Grows on Trees. Money does grow on trees. A podcast full of practical, real-life money lessons that you wish you learned in school. Lloyd is a former lawyer turned lifestyle entrepreneur. In each episode, he'll be answering the tough questions around money, investing, and entrepreneurship to help you transform your money mindset and move you closer to achieving your financial goals. Now, let the class begin. Here's your host, Lloyd Ross. All right, welcome back to the show. Money Grows on Trees podcast. My name is Lloyd Ross. This episode is titled My Finest Hour. <laughs> My Finest Hour. So over the next few episodes of this podcast, I mean, we've spoken about so much since the start of this podcast. Um, since we started a couple of years ago, I don't know how many episodes we're at now, but we're, we're doing really well and uh, we've, we've covered a lot of ground and uh, we've talked about all things money, finance, investing. If you go back and unpack all the episodes, you'll learn a ton about all the things you want to learn when you come to Money Grows on Trees podcast. So it's all about small snippets of value around money, investing, and entrepreneurship, right? So I want to make sure that I'm giving you that type of material all the time in short snippets so you can just keep listening to different topics as you go. Occasionally, we bring on guests, right? So more recently, we had Simon Beard on as a guest. He was the founder of Culture Kings, worth 600 million. Incredible interview. You'll learn so much just listening to that. And we're going to have more guests. I'm excited to announce some more guests coming up. Um, and we'll, we'll keep rolling with this format. Uh, and I've even threatened Phil with actually doing more episodes than just one a week. So if you want more, more than one a week, let me know. Uh, at this point, we're still continuing with one a week, but we want to imp- hopefully improve that and increase that. So stand by for that. So this particular episode, I want it, or these, the next, say, you know, three or four episodes I'm going to do and record are just more about my personal experiences with a few things that I've done lately that a few people have asked me about that I, that they're interested in. And it, 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 it massively relates to wealth, of course. So I'm not going to go off topic, but I am going to bring in some more, some personal stories of things that I've done that you may be interested in learning and, and then weed out the wealth lessons and success lessons in the story. So you can take that and take the lessons and obviously go and implement it yourself. So this particular episode, My Finest Hour, is uh, a story of what happened recently to me, which is where I was asked to go and speak in Orlando, Florida, in front of a crowd of 7,000 people at an event. Um, it's like it was like a, it was to close the first day of the event. And um, why that's interesting, I think, for a lot of people is because to speak you know, for 30, 40 minutes in front of a, a crowd of 7,000 is obviously a very rare experience. Very few people get to experience that, um, and so I want to share the experience with you, but also give the lessons that I can along the way, so that if you want to do the same thing, you can ex- you can learn how how it happened, how I prepared for it, how I did it, and and how that came about, so you can model it too, and also some of the benefits of doing those things. So this particular scenario happened without me knowing. Okay, so if you haven't uh, learned by now, one of our businesses we have is in network marketing. And it's with a, a company um, called Isogenics. It's been around for 20 years. Its head office is in Arizona. And we do this company functions and so forth each year, okay, all around the world. But this particular one, it was on in Orlando, Florida, and it's the biggest conference of the year. It's a global conference. We've had some wonderful people like Tony Robbins come and talk and Brennan Bouchard come and speak and Eric Warre and some incredible keynotes at these events. And... It's a big event. No, like the one in Nashville was like 20,000 in a stadium. They're not small. This is before COVID. So obviously we're recovering from COVID in terms of numbers. 
But we always make the pilgrimage each year to the United States, whether it be Las Vegas or Nashville, or at this point in time, it's Orlando, to go to this conference because we have a big global business with it, and it's important for us to go and be there and do certain things. So the, on this occasion, we won a trip with the company to go over there. Uh, we win a lot of trips with network marketing. If you want to travel for free, it's one of the most effective ways to do it. It's a lot of fun to build a business and get reward trips at the same time. So we were actually awarded to go on this trip with flights and accommodation to be there. And so did a number of our teams. So we're excited to be there. Um, and we're going to go anyway. So here's the thing. Showing up, 90% 90 of life is just showing up, right? So the fact we worked hard to build this business to get this trip to go there was, you, it, it was like success compounds on itself. So when you do one thing well, you get opportunities that open up at a different level because of that thing you did well. So that's why it's important to keep, like when you win, keep going. Don't just stop because you'll get another opportunity on top of the previous opportunity. And if that first thing that you, you won didn't happen, you wouldn't have got given the next one. So each level you unlock unlocks a new level, but you wouldn't have got there in unless the first one was unlocked. So it becomes rarer and rarer. So you know, I think back to when we first started this business in 2014 and we we're going to do you know small little things in people's houses. I mean, it's a very, it was a very humble start to this business. And so it's a nine and a half year build in. So these types of opportunities don't happen overnight. We, we bloody earned it, right? So that's the first big lesson too. You gotta, you gotta be happy and excited for your small wins in your business and your small wealth wins, uh, because if you have gratitude for those, you'll have huge. You'll you'll continue to have gratitude, but you'll be you'll be able to stay in the game for a long time. And so when the big ones come, you're like, you know what? I had I earned it. You earned your way there. So anyway, so here, here's what happened. How I had this on my vision board actually, and uh, a few things have come true lately on the vision board. <clears throat> and this particular one was to speak at this event. I had it on my vision board for a long time. And I was asked to speak at the event during COVID, but because we couldn't travel anywhere, I had to do it online, right? So I was like, oh, that was my shot. You know, had a chance, great, awesome, still super grateful for that experience to do it online. And I thought, you know what, that was it. It's not probably ever gonna happen, um, you know, long-term. So I didn't expect it. And so what's interesting about having a vision board and having manifest things or think about things in your head is in the, you know, in good time, either in God's time or the universe's time, in someone else's time, these things will happen, not always in your time. So that's a good lesson too. It doesn't always happen the way you want it to happen or when it happens. It just happens, okay, in, in the time of the universe. So so what happened was we won this trip, we're about to go over, and I got a call from the CEO of the company, like, I guess, two or three days before we were due to leave to get on a flight. Now, if you think about that, what actually happened, I think someone uh, couldn't make it to the event and there was this opportunity to come in and close the day on the Friday. And I had this call and the CEO, she said, hey, Lloyd, long shot, <laughs> but um, it's kind of crazy, but would you be able to do a, a talk at the end of day one at, at, the, at the main event? And I was obviously very chuffed and I was excited and I was full of gratitude and I was humbled to be asked. And of, of, of course is the answer. Of course, and I think sometimes too, if you're in a position where you give people opportunities like that one, it's a big one, right? Quite often what happens if people are ill-prepared or they're scared of public speaking because they haven't done the work, it is a big ask. So I think maybe she was expecting me to say, uh, thanks for asking, but I'm not really prepared, right? And, that's, and that would be a normal response for most people. 
But I was prepared because I prepared my whole life for these moments because I'd done the work previous. And it reminds me of the Winston Churchill quote that I put on Facebook recently, which was, uh, what a shame it would be, basically how the quote goes, what a shame it would be uh, at a point in time when you're figuratively tapped on the shoulder to do something great that would be your finest hour. And what a shame it would be if you met that opportunity ill-prepared. So you couldn't say yes, basically. So it's a very famous Winston Churchill quote, and that quote has been with me my whole life, and I've all, often thought to myself far out, if I ever get a tap on the shoulder to, to deliver what could be my finest hour, I'm going to be ready, right? I'm going to be ready, <laughs> right? Okay, so I never expected this to happen, and so the tap comes on the shoulder. The answer is a categoric yes, without a doubt, excited, thank you, wonderful, I'm pumped, let's go, That's and, and not fear, Okay, so it's important that you're ready for these moments and you get ready for them by doing all the work behind the scenes that no one sees. You know, no one saw us two years at Toastmasters, week in, week out. No one saw us as we were public speaking in houses. No one saw us as we were, you know, I've spoken at many, many events over the years. No one's really seen, I mean, people that have been following me on Facebook for a while would have seen some of it, but it's all those times where you're speaking and doing things where people can't see it, you know? And so here it is, this time comes. <laughs> and um, and I said, yeah, so we jump on the plane, did a quick presentation, flicked it over to them. Um, and it's a presentation that I've been doing for quite some time. But um, there was an element of it that I hadn't included, which was an emotional part of the, the whole talk. And what's really interesting is I'm on the plane and we're going over there. It's like a flipping act to the East Coast of America. It's like a 30-hour trip. And I'm on the plane and I'm in, sitting in the plane and I'm practicing this talk. And I'm, probably, I'm, got, I'm going, you know, I've got 20 minutes here. And then I ended up negotiating more of like 30 minutes because to, I'll come to that. I don't want to skip too far ahead. So I'm practicing on the plane. Okay. So when I do a talk or I do a, a, a some sort of keynote or a presentation, I, I don't rote learn things. Uh, and you, you get to this point if you have lots of practice. I think I, I, I roll through the entire presentation in my head quietly and I do it more than once. And I think about it and I'm, and I'm just in that zone, right? I'm going through the talk on the plane and I'm going through the talk in little bits and pieces for the entire three or four days after we land. We're walking around Disney World and I'm in my head going through this speech, okay? So uh, Alicia said that whenever I have a talk, I'm, it's more often than I'm, I'm off with the fairies more than, more than usual. <laughs> I don't know if you're ever off with the theory. I think a lot, right? Uh, plan things, you know, I'm a thinker. So... She said, you're off with the fairies more, more often than not, more, more than usual. And she knows that's because I have a talk. So you think about this for a second. You've been asked late notice to do this talk. Um, it's on the end of day one. It's in front of a crowd of 7,000 people. And uh, you've been asked by the CEO. You know, it's, it's, not a, it's not a small thing. So there's obviously a level of pressure that comes with that that I enjoy. Um, I still find it very challenging, of course. And so... Yeah, that's what happened. So anyway, the the day when we got there, we landed. And the the day we landed effectively in Orlando, I think that afternoon, or we we got back, sorry, from our trip in Miami. The day we got back, booked in the hotel and rehearsals are on that afternoon. So I walk into the rehearsal room and this wonderful, you know, there's there's about 20 people in this rehearsal room. This is a big event. Millions of dollars spent on this event. So there's obviously rehearsals and and, and a well put together event, world-class event. And uh, I'm in the room. And there's like 20 people there on computers. Uh, you know, there's, there's lawyers in the room. There's, you know, there's very important things that we have to discuss 
to make sure that the presentation is, you know, compliant and is very important. And also they want to make sure that I don't cluck like a chicken and, you know, grow a second head. You know, like you have to vet your speakers a bit. But I mean, that was not what I was there for, just to make sure that it was all going to be compliant within time. And it gives me a chance to rehearse and get through things. And it's a great experience. You have to do rehearsals. I think the lesson is if you're ever going to do a big talk, you've got to rehearse, right? Rehearse in front of people, rehearsing yourself and so forth. And you'll, you'll, you'll get better and better and better. So I walk in this rehearsal room and it's just like my... I much prefer to be doing that than anything else in the world. Like I love training, I love teaching, and I love speaking, and I love entertaining. And to walk in that room was would be very intimidating, because it was off the cuff. I had to learn some new language for for, for various reasons and re-deliver some parts of my speech on the spot for the full, you know, twenty five minutes in front of this brand new audience. And at that point, I just kind of revel in that. It's really exciting for me. But at that point, many, many years ago, it would have been very confronting and very intimidating and would have been very nerve-wracking, okay? But it just so happens as you do this more, it becomes your new comfort zone. So the lesson is, you know, your uncomfortable zone with lots of practice and lots of experience of leaning into fear when that time comes, it it, it, it grows your comfort zone beyond where you ever think, you know? And, and you become this kind of uncommon person because very few people can do it. So if you have that ability to keep stepping into things, that scare you, you will definitely expand your comfort zone so that uncomfortable things that used to be uncomfortable aren't anymore, okay? So then I do a rehearsal, we had to change some stuff and then left the room, it was awesome, um, and off we went. And so then I get a call and, you know, and some feedback is, look, we want it to be more emotional and I was like, perfect, I've got a, a thing I can add on and we just evolved the talk from there to the impact we wanted to make on the day at the event. And, you know, when you're a talker and a trainer too with your business, which is part of your livelihood, and you have a, a you know, a, a nine or almost 10-year career with a company that you love, and, you you know, people you admire there, your mentors are there, your friends are there, your team members are there, there is, you want to deliver an amazing job for the people in the audience to leave and go, wow, I feel inspired now to go and do things, right? That's As a trainer, that's all you want. You want to make people get into massive action, Right. You want to deliver the maximum amount of value. And that's all that's on your mind, okay? So when you do your best and you win, other people win. And that's why I always want to do my best because I want people to get inspired to do their best. So anyway, the day comes. It's the Friday. There's a two-day big event. I'm at the end of the day. It's a big, big responsibility to close any event because you have to close with power, impact, inspiration. And, you know, you effectively got to win over 7,000 people in a space of, you know, 30 minutes. And that's the job. That's the mission. And I knew that what the mission re- required. I knew what the the the, the brief was. Um, and frankly, I didn't want to let anyone down, including myself, and I wasn't going to. So what happened on the day was I went and got showered, changed in the morning, and I was in my the hotel room practicing, right? Practicing, practicing. Going through it in real time, okay? All parts of it. And I was rehearsing, and I was showering, and rehearsing the shower, then I was getting changed. And I and then at the end of that, I was like, hey, it's time to go. It's time to get on mission. So I looked in the mirror, oh, you got this. And then I just walked slowly down through the hotel back into the event venue, just in kind of like a zone, I suppose you could say. Just, you know, like, I guess part of me at that point was like, I was enjoying this walk into the event because I'm like, far out. This is a combination of like nine and a half years of effort or more of effort and time. And and I just started to like experience it like... um how can I say, like, like, just feel alive in that moment, 
because I was about to walk on the stage. It was just a very exhilarating place to be and I didn't want it to go fast. I wanted to sit in it, enjoy it, and just walk slowly towards the event. I just felt, I felt good. You know, it was just like on, it was an amazing experience. So I was like, I don't want it to be over. So I walked slowly towards the back and just thought about everything. And then it was time, went backstage. In fact, the event was uh, well on time, which is awesome. And in fact, very few times this happens, but the event was actually going a bit faster than normal, which was great. You don't want events to go longer for various reasons, especially big ones because they are very expensive to run. And so what actually happened was I got there and they said, Lloyd, we, we, would you like to come in earlier? I think we're, we're ahead of time. There's an hour actually ahead where we can have you on earlier if you want to come backstage. So, you know, it's always important to be ready early. The cameraman comes, he's, he's, he's obviously late because I told him a different time, but that's all going on. Alicia's handling him and I'm like, okay, I'll go backstage now. So go backstage, big stage, and uh, I walk back, not thinking about too much, sit down, it's time to get some makeup done, so I'm sitting in the makeup chair, and I'm just at ease, having fun, talking to people, smiling, and I'm play, you know, having jokes with the, the makeup lady behind there, because you know, when you get to a certain point, it's not about worrying about lines or worrying about this, it's just about relaxing, having fun, and just being relaxed, you know? Not, not sitting in the fear, it's sitting in the excitement and the fun. Because at that point, truthfully, all the hard work is done. You know, it's, you have the talk, you've had all this experience, you've rehearsed it, you nailed the time. Because when you're rehearsing, I was in the hotel room, I'm clicking the timer on my phone and I'm literally breaking the talk down into two 15-minute blocks. So the first 15-minute block is the facts and the last 15-minute blocks is the story and the emotional and the close. And so I timed it. I knew that I was on time and I knew where I needed to be in the slides. So when I do my talks, I always time it. Timing is impeccable because if you run out of time, you speed, you're fast, and your message doesn't get across. And so I'm sitting there in the chair, get up. There's a, a, a new Sting song to play on. Um, it's actually, if you want to go listen to it, the Sting song is Oh The Larceny is the band and it's called Man On A Mission, right? Love that song. So anyway, comes time, they do an introduction for you and then... They do your introduction and then they play the song and then your name gets called and you're on, right? You're on. And you're on, from the moment you walk out, you're on, like you've got to be on the whole time until you walk off, right? So part of this process for me was, you know, it's an emotional piece too. So you have to be prepared to be vulnerable in front of 7,000 people, meaning like I was going to cry. So as a man, it's very difficult to do that at the best of times, but, but when you grow and develop and, and you go through certain things, you, you learn how to do that, you know, and you learn how to show people your emotion. You know, a lot of people are doing it on Instagram a lot lately. I don't like that so much because it's, I think it's contrived and BS. So please don't go onto your Instagram and start crying just to win people over. It, if it comes, it comes, right? But so part of this talk was I do this, this talk and it does make me really emotional. So I knew that was coming because I needed to, because it's part of the story I wanted to tell. So couldn't, you can't, you can't manage around that. That's just the way it is, right? So with that said, I walk. I didn't walk onto the stage. I run. Like it's high energy. You run on and it's big stage. It's huge. You run out there and it's like you've you got to engage everyone in the audience, 7,000 people on the left, the right, the center, high energy there. And uh, you've got to connect with everybody if you can, as many as you can. And so the lights are just beaming down on you because it's such a big stage and the lights are hot and it's bright and you literally can't see beyond the first row, frankly. You just can't. It's very hard to see because the bright lights are so bright. So then you're on. Anyway, I go through the talk. It was a 30-minute talk. I ended up negotiating a little bit more time because I did say, look, if we want to do a really good job here, 
it's very hard to deliver what I'm to, what I want to do in 20 minutes and so of course I had the 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 respect and the faith of the 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 corporate team to allow me to do that but I it's important if, if you're a leader and if you're in a business and you you have a special skill or you want to deliver something great you've got to do it under certain circumstances and you've got to ask for those things because what you don't want to do is do a bad job so you know you have conversations like look if, if we need to do this properly we, let's do it properly you know we're going to do this well this, if you're going to do something do it well and so great i'm so grateful to be aligned with such a great company with such great leaders and, and and high performers that they all understand that too right so it's not like it's an unreasonable ask so it just turns out that um it was about a 30 minute block and i deliver the whole talk and you know as you're going through a talk you know that you're hitting the mark because you're listening to the audience the audience will tell you in real time how they're feeling what they're feeling whether they can they're with you on this journey. So there's a lot of vocal variety, there's a lot of pausing, there's walking, there's engaging, there's there's all sorts of things you do as a speaker to to really build rapport with the audience, but take them on this journey and through the story. And um, one of the things I learned from a mentor, he said to me, Lord, if you're ever in a position where you need to inspire people or you need to make a mark or whatever, you don't have a lot of time, which I didn't, frankly, for, for what I was trying to do, 30 minutes is not a great deal of time. A normal keynote is like 60 minutes minimum. And so... I remember this uh, this tip that he gave me. He said, you know, if you need to win people over and inspire them, and you don't have a lot of time, you tell a story. And a big part of my talk, um, and when I find it, when we get it from the team on YouTube, I'll, I'll add it to my YouTube channel. You can watch it. Uh, the whole talk, you can watch the whole talk. I'll even get, maybe come back and put in the notes here. But you got to tell a story. So I told a story, you know, that's why uh, it was probably so impactful. Anyway, throughout the talk, you can gauge where you're at with things. And so if the, you don't win the audience, you've got to go back and build rapport. It just is in real time learning to actually improve as you go through the actual, the actual talk. You know, if people seem bored, change a variety, change it up, start talking big and bit, you know, and engage them and pause and build the drama in the talk. This is, this is all these skills you learn. But, but what happened was I knew that I'd hit the mark. And the reason I knew is because when I was going through it, I was getting emotional as I did it. And all that emotion was being conveyed to the audience and they were picking it up and running with it. And it was just, it was just as I wanted it to be because of the, the preparation and the teamwork and everything. And it closed out that day of the event and it was just an exceptional experience. It was just exactly what I wanted. You know, what I wanted the audience to get that message that I wanted for the reasons I wanted them to take that message, to pour belief into them, to do the things they need to do in their business. It was on time and it was just the right type of content and delivery that the audience needed of the day and what the event needed for the weekend too. And that's why I was pleased with it, just because it was just what everybody wanted and needed for the day and for the time for the event and I had done my job basically. So I had like, you know what, I did my job here really well. I was very proud of myself. So as I walked back to the back of the stage, I knew it had just hit the mark. But I really was excited and happy that, you know, the, the CEO, Sharon, who asked me to do it last minute, she was thrilled, it was ex- it was, she was happy, and I just thought that was great. And uh, the GM from Australia was very happy, Steve was very happy, and Alicia was obviously very proud. But but the audience can tell you. The audience tells you. And uh, that was a really extremely proud moment for me because, yeah, it was a culmination of like a decade of work. Um and uh, it was awesome. It was just like, that's why I titled this episode. It's a long episode, well, I'm about 25 minutes. 
is because it was my finest hour to date. But maybe it's practice for something else bigger, right? I don't know. But but there's it's a very rare experience. But how it happened was it it was like I was asked last very effectively for a kind of this type. It's last minute, so it was a very challenging ask. But that challenged me to level up because if it was contrived and planned too much, it wouldn't challenge me as much. So it was actually great that it happened that way. And it happened in a way that I didn't expect it to happen. And then there was, you know, because of the way the event unfolded, there was a bit more pressure on the time. There was more pressure on how to deliver a certain message on the day. There was a lot riding on it. And I loved that. Like that, that's what grew me the most. So if you find yourselves in challenging scenarios, you don't want it to be easier you want it to be hard and challenging because it grows you more. So the circumstances that this happened just happened perfectly for me. And perhaps that may not be for you too. But anyway, without getting into more detail, what the lesson I want to impart to you is this. What are you doing to prepare for your finest hour? And my question to you is if you are figuratively tapped on the shoulder to be asked to be what could be your finest hour, are you prepared and are you ready? And if the answer is no, the question is, what are you doing today, tomorrow, this week, next month to be ready, okay? And be assured that if you're doing challenging things and no one's watching, no one's seeing it, no one's watching, it, but you know you're getting better, getting better. In the next 10 years, you will get a tap on the shoulder and it will be time. It'll be time to go out there and do your job and do and be on mission and, and, and nail it. And if you do it, done all the work prior, you will experience your finest hour. And I gotta tell you, there's just no better experience for a person who is ambitious to be able to to really perform under those circumstances. It is just an amazing experience. You know, life begins on the wire and everything else is just waiting around. But while you're waiting around, get better at your skills. <laughs> okay. So look, I hope that uh yeah, some people want to know what it's like, whether it's nerve-wracking and stuff like that. I think when you're ready to go and you've prepared, you don't get asked to do those things under those circumstances, unless you're highly skilled. So I don't think someone who is highly skilled and prepared to do that would really be super nervous. Like I wasn't super nervous. Uh, I was more excited. I think the feeling would be uh, proud, humbled, um, validated, felt just, yeah, it was just my time, right? So I think none of those big things that you would imagine would pop up, popped up for me necessarily. I think it was a wonderful challenge for me. And I was very, very honored and thankful to be asked to take on the challenge. And one of the things I did learn on the backside is coming back here, I had a little event on to do as soon as we got back, actually. With a friend of mine, we're doing a money, a one-day money event together. And we've got other events coming up. And the truth is that after you come off stage in front of 7,000 under those circumstances to build that thing and, and to, to really make an impact, it does grow you to a certain level where you feel absolutely bulletproof under any circumstances speaking, truly. And I think those are the moments you get to where you felt you've, you have developed a level of mastery. And when you get to those levels of mastery from a monet wealth building standpoint, obviously when you're doing those big things, your brand is enhanced, your, um, your reputation and credibility is enhanced, your network grows and goes up, people you know, have a level of credibility and respect for you that go, grows uh, your value increases, your skills increase, your your reciprocity influence increase. Everything just in it it just goes up. Now that's not to say you can just create wealth out of like there's no monetary experience out of that. But but the 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 brand building and the the goodwill that is built from these experiences and the skills and the self belief 
that eventually just builds tremendous amount of wealth in the future. So these types of scenarios always end up, it's a wealth building exercise, even though it's not a, it's not a transactional exercise. So there's, you know, there's all those wonderful wealth building skills you're building and nuances you're creating while you're on this type of journey. So doing big stuff like this uh, only happens when you do the small stuff a lot for long periods of time and you show loyalty and longevity and consistency and all these things that build trust in you as a person, your reputation, they are very important wealth building things to never forget because in the look, in the next 30 years, this one event could compound into so many other things. I couldn't begin to tell you the wealth that's created out of that in various areas. But I know one thing's for certain, the wealth of the company would have gone up because of the message that hit. The wealth of the people in the audience hopefully would have gone up because of the message that was hit. My person, you know, our wealth and our brand it goes up and up and up because of the all those things, okay, that I mentioned. I don't want to go on to it too much, but but it definitely is a wealth building exercise. Okay, so don't think for a second just because you, you know, don't transact on the day or don't do anything like that that it's not. It is definitely. Okay. And building goodwill in other people, in other mission in the mission is always a good idea. Okay. So don't always think that things have to be transactional. Because I didn't sell. It wasn't a sales process or anything like that on the stage. It was an absolute just pure value keynote. And so that is just, I, I think it can be even more powerful than, trans- oh, it's definitely more powerful than transactional. So my final lesson is on your wealth building journey, don't always look for transactional things. Look for how can I build goodwill? How can I build uh, better relationships? How can I build a good network? How can I build brand equity? How can I build uh, reciprocity influence? How can I empower people? How can I build value in their life? And that will always come back to you. But the lesson of this this episode is be prepared for your finest hour. All right, hope that makes sense. Hope, hope you've enjoyed this episode. This, this is a different type of episode for me to do on here. And I hope you've enjoyed it. Of course, uh, you go to my YouTube channel. Uh, I think Phil usually puts the links down here. I will upload the video to you, the actual presentation. You'll be able to watch it. And if you want to share it with a friend, great. Hopefully it inspires you. I'm sure it will. And uh, and I look forward to talking with you again on Money Grows on Trees podcast. You go have yourself a wealthy Thanks week. for joining us this week on the Money Grows on Trees podcast. If you like the show, you might want to check out our book, Money Grows on Trees, which you can find at LloydJRoss.com. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, leave a review, and feel free to reach out to Lloyd on Instagram at LloydJamesRoss.